0: Welcome to the Redeemer Central podcast. Redeemer Central is a church community in Belfast seeking to practice the way of Jesus and work for the peace and good of our city. For more information, please visit RedeemerCentral.com. Brilliant. Um, There's no place I'd rather be on a Sunday morning than a kerosene-filled atmosphere on Donegal Street. Um, I have to apologize, that is actually completely my fault. Um, In the dark last night I definitely did spill um, kerosene on the (laughs) heater. Um, So um, I will not be offended if you have to leave to get some fresh air outside. Um, We'll try and keep this uh, short and sweet today hopefully. Um, But actually beautiful things are actually kind of happening in the community. at the moment, it's really great to hear John share a, a bit, a little snapshot of what happened on on Friday night here. Um, there literally was a, a literal long table, which was brilliant, um, and a lot of people coming and gathering around that. Um, we have the stand play that's kind of in the works, that toddler group that's going to start, I think, at the end of February. Farm Box continues to serve families; it's brilliant to hear um, how that's going, and they've got some plans for this year. I know that you met you met last week. Um, and then last night, actually, just one of the things that we're doing that you may or may not know is occasionally we do rent this place out. We open this place up and some of the, the women here associated with Annika Women's Collective, uh, some Sudanese women, hired this place and were in here last night. So if you were here last night, you would not recognize the place. It was full of about hundreds of Women and children, um, Muslim women, um, with really loud music uh, and uh, a fashion show, and our prayer room was uh, a changing room for uh, the, the models on the evening. But there, I must say, I was sharing with some people on the way in today that there there was there is no no sight quite like at Half nine, last night, um, over a hundred Muslim women, uh, beautifully colored, colorful um, burkas and, and outfits. With young children who really should be in bed, all spilling out onto Donegal Street among the clubbers. And there was this melting pot of cultures that um, I don't think I've quite seen before. So yeah, um, if you ever want to see that, do come down here late on a on a on a Saturday or Friday night. There's lots of life. Um, but it's really brilliant for us, I suppose, to be continuing to lean into practicing hospitality and letting the community use this place. So one of the reasons why we want to kind of do this place up and invest in it. Is to see that happen. So lots of life, lots of good things happening. Um, right, um, let's move on before we all get high on the kerosene. So we're in um, part five today of our series, Liberated by Love: Encounters with Jesus in the Gospels. And um, we're going to look look at a passage in Luke chapter eight. Um, It'll be up on the screen. So I'm going to read I'm going to read that passage now, and then we'll move on. Luke chapter eight. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Just then there came a man named Jairus, the leader of a, syna- a leader of the synagogue. He fell at Jesus' feet and began pleading with him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about twelve years old, and she was dying. And he, as he went, the crowds pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from a flow of blood for twelve years. And though she had spent all that she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Then Jesus asked, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming in on you and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I noticed the power had gone out from me. When the woman, when the woman realized that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. He said to her, "'Daughter, your faith has been made, has made you well. "'Go in peace.'" While he was still speaking, someone came from the synagogue leader's house to say, "'Your daughter is dead. "'Do not trouble this teacher any longer.'" When Jesus heard this, he replied, "'Do not be afraid. "'Only believe and she will be saved.'" When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the, and the child's father and mother. Everyone was weeping and grieving for her. But he said, do not cry, for she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called her out, child, get up. Her spirit returned and she stood up at once and he directed them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astounded but he ordered them to tell no one what had happened. There's a slide that will hopefully come up. It's got a little Bible on it, um, Eleanor. Um, what I'd love us to do this morning is something a little bit different. I'd love us to practice something called Lectio Divina. Anyone heard of Lectio Divina? I mean, heard, vaguely heard of Lectio Divina. Put your hands up. Uh, Ruth and the welcome team are going to come around, and they're going to put um, uh, an A4 piece of paper on your Table with that passage that I just read on it. And what we're going to do is just round your table in groups of three or four, or two, whoever's around your table, you can join a table. I'd love someone to read the passage among yourselves and we're going to practice Lectio Divina just for a short time. Um, what is Lectio Divina? Um, it's an ancient practice using scripture, really just to open ourselves up to what maybe God might speak to us through the passage. So here's what it is not. You're not to explain the passage. You're not to tell the people around your table what you think of it. All I want someone to do is just to read the passage through while the rest listen. Leave a minute and then just share a word or a phrase from the scripture that stands out to you. That's it. No explanation, no opinion, no nothing. Just Say that word or phrase that something resonates or you've been drawn to it. Is that cool? Is that good? You up for that? Give it a go anyway, okay? So just for five minutes, someone read it and then share among yourselves a word or phrase that stands out to you and then we'll pull it together. Cool. Lectio that last slide a Benedictine practice of scripture reading, meditation, and prayer intended to promote communion with God and increase the knowledge of God's word. It aims to not treat scripture as text to be studied, but as the living word inviting the reader to listen to God speaking through the text. We love studying scripture. Scripture is to be studied. It is a, a sacred text, an ancient text that needs to be treated like that, but we also believe in the Holy Spirit and we can approach um, the scriptures as people filled with the Spirit and this ancient practice really helps us to do that. It just kind of brings the the word to life. So um, if I had more time, we'd go around the room and just pick out and hear some of the, the words and phrases that were, you were drawn to, but we'll just keep moving. Um, interesting little passage that Luke has, has got here and he's weaved these two stories together. This encounter... Uh, as, as the Gospel of Mark and Luke both, both record, happens immediately after the garrison demoniac that Stephanie preached last week. So Jesus is on the boat. He gets off the boat. We think it's near Capernaum. Um, I'll not show you a picture of my time in Capernaum. <laughs> Jesus begins his ministry, as we know, in Galilee, in that region in the north, um, uh, before he goes down uh, Passion Week to Jerusalem. Uh, So he's doing quiet ministry around the shores of Galilee. And he he gets off the boat. And he's actually, uh, immediately this leader from the synagogue comes right up to him, Jairus. And um, just as Jesus is disembarking off the boat, falls at Jesus' feet and pleads with him to come to his house. Because his daughter is dying, as we've just read. Um, Most likely Jairus has been on the search for this wandering rabbi from Nazareth who is doing some healings. He's heard of what's going on. It's kind of interesting to note that not all religious leaders were actually against Jesus. He was a leader of the synagogue, probably in Capernaum. and He's looking for Jesus. Uh, And Jesus begins to go with him. The crowds begin to press in uh, around him. And then we find that the narrative is interrupted then by the appearance of this other woman. Um, And this woman is suffering. The scriptures tell us she has a She's suffering from a hemorrhage, from a, from, a, from a flow of blood. She's had that for 12 years. And interestingly, we know from Paul, later on, he writes about Luke, who is the author of this gospel, as uh, a doctor. So Luke's noting that, he's noting what's wrong with her medically, but he also notes, obviously, in verse 43, that she, this woman has spent an awful lot of money on medicines and doctors, and she's not had a cure. So we have Jairus and his daughter, who's dying, and then we have this interruption from this woman with this very serious illness. And as we've already discussed here in this series so far, um, with these different encounters, um, in Jewish law, there were different categories of behavior and activity, people that would have been deemed clean or unclean um, in those times and that had a major impact upon upon life. Um, Touching was, of course, very important, something that we really missed out on, didn't we, during the COVID period um, ourselves. But in, in this world that we're looking at here in first century Palestine, this is before modern hygiene. From what I know, soap was invented in the Middle Ages, what we know of as soap. So these purity laws were actually partly to do with hygiene as well. So much so that... The Jewish scriptures and the traditions around that, as N.T. Wright says, codified that so much, really, really took it so seriously, nearly into like an art form, what you could and could not do, what you could and could not touch. And two obvious sources of, quote, pollution were corpses and bleeding blood, bleeding women, women with blood. Those were two categories that were deemed unclean. Or pollution in that day. Um, and that's, kind of, the, that's kind of the scene that we have here um, on the shore of Galilee, probably around Capernaum. This woman, not only being a woman would have put her on the outside of society or limited her rights, but this woman who, who reaches out and touches Jesus in the melee, she's deemed ceremonially unclean which means that she would have been on the outside of society completely. In fact, she's risking a lot to be here. Um, How no one maybe noticed her, I don't know. Um, But she has heard about Jesus too, and she's come just to get a touch. And she's probably come to do it in the crowd, because she doesn't want to be seen by Jesus or anyone else. And she doesn't want Jesus to know that he's been touched, perhaps. But she's got faith that she could be healed and she touches the hem of his garment she's immediately healed and she knows immediately now the whole story could have just kept going like no one would have noticed i mean it's like a melee of people you know um and there's this interesting real passage this in- interesting verse sorry this interesting phrase that jesus noticed the power go out from him so the, kind of like the whole thing stops you know the whole melee kind of stops and jesus kind of stops it's like what's happened this woman could have disappeared with her secret healing and not no we would never have known about her it's just an interesting thing that we do know about her because Jesus stops the whole thing has sent some kind of power go out from him which I think is just an interesting verse and he does what the woman really didn't want done he actually calls her out who has touched me And she has to embarrassingly kind of present herself before this wandering rabbi who's got the crowds around him. And she would have been feeling very ashamed, um, even though she's probably at this moment knows she's been healed, she's been living as an outsider. And she would have had some serious consequences because she's been in the the crowd, in the melee, with, with her uncleanness, with her pollution Except, you know, Jesus doesn't lean that way, does he? We know Jesus dignifies this woman. He's not calling her out to shame her or to bring consequence. Jesus is calling out her out to, to dignify her. In fact, to release her even further. You might even say to liberate her by love. Jesus goes further than just simply healing her from her health issues. What Jesus is really interested in here is restoring her to community, is restoring her even to her own family, is restoring her to her loved ones. In fact, giving her a future because she would have had no future at that point. And, and Jesus is not made unclean by the pollution, by the uncleanness. Jesus is the one who makes the the, what is deemed unclean, clean. The, kind of, that's the travel, <laughs> that's the direction of travel in this story. And it's just a, it's a it's a fascinating little encounter that we could have just never heard of this lady and never heard of this encounter. And Jesus kind of calls her out, but for the for the purpose of restoring her into community. And then you can imagine Jairus, he's like you know. What a you know my my daughter's dying and we're getting held up by this. At the same time, you could also imagine. Well, he's being very patient for a start. He's letting this happen. Does he have a choice? I don't know. Just an interesting thing to reflect upon. Maybe his faith increased because he's he's seen like a a kind of unintentional healing happen. Someone has touched Jesus' garment, so he's thinking, goodness, if Jesus really really Jesus intentionally goes and touches my daughter. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's hope for my daughter. And we get this uh, news that then interrupts the whole thing. And a person from the household comes and says, Jairus, your daughter is now not just sick, but she's actually died. And so they go on to the house. And we hear the story play out where Jesus goes into the house and he says, child, arise. And to the astonishment of the parents and to the three beloved disciples that are with Jesus, this daughter rises the young girl rises from the dead this is just an amazing story um, astonishing and again another another example of Jesus trans, transgressing boundaries touching a, a corpse and bringing life to it and the direction of travel going in that way I think it's interesting that Luke presents these two stories together um, I wonder whether they did actually happen together or not Maybe they did. It doesn't quite kind of happen like that in the Gospel of Matthew. But the, the authors are trying to kind of make a point, and that's what every author does, including biographers. There's no problem here with that. But what we have here in this story, is, this vignette, is, is what I kind of would like to call a tale of two daughters. A tale of two daughters. It's interesting that the woman had this issue for 12 years. It's also interesting that Jairus' daughter was 12 years old. It's an interesting parallel there. Here we actually have two daughters with no future, given a future. One alive, but with no future because they're on the outside. One who's actually dead, but no future because they have died. One is a child and the other is childless, unable to have children. Again, children help with the the livelihood of a parent. We talked about that before, particularly a male in the family in those days. Here we have a female child given a future as an adult, rising from the dead. And here we have a female adult giving life in the future as a child. Where am I going with that? Because Jesus, did you note that, calls her daughter. Indignifying... The woman Jesus calls her daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Again, Jesus is more interested in the wholeness of this woman than in just healing her infirmity or her suffering. He actually dignifies her by calling her daughter, by giving her her place in the family, in the community. So we have a female child given a future as an adult by being raised from the dead, and we have a, a female adult being given a future by being named a child of God. We have one who's alive, but outside the community. And then we have one who's inside the community, but is dead. (laughs) So like one's in and one's out. One's, yeah, it's interesting. And we have the woman who's on the outside. Jesus brings her in by naming her daughter, by saying that she's healed, by saying that she's clean by healing her, by restoring her. And then we have the, the the girl who lies dead being brought back to life. So the one who was on the outside is brought in and the one who was dead is brought to life. The one on the outside was brought in and the one who was dead is brought to life. The one on the outside was brought in and the one who's on the inside but is dead on the inside was brought to life. There's an can interest in paralleling of these two stories. Again, Jesus is in the business of opening up futures. It's more than just the healing going on here, I believe. Jesus is in the business of opening up features. He addresses in this woman's life the real wound, the wound of the stigma and the shame and the ostracization of being on the outside of community, of being shut off, of being ostracized, of being forgotten, of having no hope for having a family, etc. etc. Jesus addresses this woman as daughter and welcome welcomes her and names her as a, a daughter of God, a child of God. And he's interested in her wholeness. He's interested in our wholeness too. In fact, interestingly, maybe some of you in this room perhaps have hoped for miracles and healings maybe before in your life, or maybe you are at that moment today. And I would encourage you to do that because we do believe that God can heal. But we also believe that God's actually more interested in who we are as people and making us whole I was 12 when I was diagnosed with a chronic illness. And I've been prayed for to be healed from that illness more, t- more times than I've had hot dinners. And I haven't touched any garments, but I've, I've been to weird and wacky places. <laughs> and I'm sure many of you in this room have too. You've got struggles, you've got maybe illnesses, you've got things going on in your lives, and perhaps you've actually thought you had faith at a point to have prayer for that, to have hands laid on or to have people praying for you that God would heal you. And sometimes miracles happen. Sometimes that actually does happen. I could tell you stories of that happening. And many times we feel like God doesn't answer those prayers or that the miracle doesn't happen, and we have this Infirmity or this suffering to live with, and that's my story. I still have a chronic illness I live with, and praise God for the NHS, and I can get treatment on that. And many of you have that same story. Paul talks about this in the New Testament the thorn in the side, he prayed for it to be removed three times, and God said, No, my grace is sufficient for you. Because our God is a compassionate and merciful God, He's interested in our wholeness. And there's a mystery there about the healing and all of that. I understand that and that's for another day. But what I see here when we see these two stories weave together and look, I see this tale of two daughters and I see the priority of Jesus to bring dignity to the to the to that woman particularly and indeed to many of us here who have find themselves on the outside or find themselves less than whole or find themselves struggling with shame or struggling with some stigma or, s- or struggling with isolation or ostracization. God is the God who brings those on the outside to the inside and God is the God who brings those that are dead to life and that's the God that we worship and follow. It's the compassionate and merciful God that loves this woman and names her, her his daughter, gives her the name Daughter. An amazing thing to witness, an amazing thing for Jairus to witness. And we go on in the story, and of course, Jairus' daughter raised to life as well. Quite amazing. Jesus intervening to bring life where there is death. Here is the thing, really. Jesus transgresses all these boundaries. He's touching corpses. He's healing women with blood uh, issues. These things that are deemed unclean in that time. Jesus pays no respect to the ceremonial laws. Jesus pays no respect even to the borders and boundaries of death itself. This is the Jesus that transgresses all of these boundaries. In fact, transgresses lines that even we don't want him to transgress. Transgresses boundaries that even we don't want him to transgress. Where have we drawn those lines in the sand and where is Jesus transgressing those? Going into the middle of it all with us, into the muddle of it all with us, to call us son, to call us daughter, to give us a future. When the story written over our lives was that there is no future. Jesus is in the business of cracking open futures. I kind of believe that's kind of like a word for us today. Quite a simple word, and probably you're happy that we kind of wrap that up soon before we all get really high on the kerosene in the room. But I do believe there's more than just one spirit in the room. hey. And I really do believe this word, the tale of two daughters, is also a tale about us and our own futures. That when we feel like we're at a dead end, when we feel like there is no future, when we feel like the road is run out, be encouraged today that we follow this wandering rabbi from Nazareth, who is in the business of cracking open futures, no matter what that future looks like. Even the border, the borders and the boundaries of death itself, Jesus pays no respects to. He crosses those and he calls life where there is no life. He calls inclusion where there is no inclusion. He he welcomes in where there's been ostracization. This is the saviour that we worship. This is the Jesus that we follow. This is the Jesus that Luke is talking about here. And I'm kind of coming in the land and touched on a whole lot of things there. But I'd love us to come to the table this morning just with this story in our minds why i wanted us to get around the table and kind of read the story read the scripture just to kind of like get the scripture and the story in this and kind of it's a it's a story that we can take with us for the rest of the week and meditate upon think upon um there's lots of ways to read the scripture lots of ways to understand it but for today i just wanted to share indeed to preach over us that god is not the god of cracking open futures and for those in the room today who have had that name removed, that God wants to say that you're a son or a daughter. That God wants to make you whole. That God loves you and wants to liberate. He wants to bring you from the outside in. He wants to bring you from death until life. At the end of the passage, we see this little verse. It's that Jesus instructs the parents of Jairus' daughter and says, go and give her something to eat. And we're going to come to a table right now where we're going to eat. And in a sense, it's like a touch of his garment. It's a place where we receive. It's a place where we can receive the grace of God for ourselves. And I'd love to well, I'd love to invite you firstly to stand. Let's stand as we come to the table. But as you come to the table this morning, I'd love you to think about this story that we've been meditating upon. The tale of two daughters... And I'd love you to come to the bread and to the wine and to taste of this meal as the meal that cracks open a a future for you, that cracks open your future. This is the banquet where God has a place for you as a son or as a daughter. And for some of you, you've been told that you're not a son or a daughter, that you're on the outside and you will stay on the outside. And that is not the gospel. The good news today is that Jesus stops the melee and says, who has touched me and brings dignity and worth to someone who was on the outside and brings them in. This is the Jesus that goes to the house where there is a corpse in which he should not touch and touches it, and it rises, and the, the daughter rises and brings that which is dead to life. This is the Jesus that transgresses boundaries and borders in order to bring life. St. Jerome, when commentating upon this passage, said that we are all like that woman, that woman is like the congregation of the church us and his point in commentating on that passage in that way was to really kind of ask this question really in his own way where do you find yourself in the story what are you coming to today what's your what are you falling at Jesus feet about to plead for him to come just like Jairus did how do you what's that thing that you have that you want the Lord to meet you in today What's that dead end, that no future, that place where you find yourself hitting up against the wall? You want the Lord to come and to crack open a future today. Some of you are crying out for a miracle. I know some people in this community that are literally crying out for a miracle from illness. And I will encourage you to pursue that because we believe that the Lord can heal and touch. And continue to reach out to touch his garment. But for many of us as well, we just want a touch of the Lord today. We just want something to take with us, to sustain us through the rest of this week. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe that's where you are today. You just want a a taste of the Lord. Maybe today you just need to hear the word son or daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Maybe that's where you are today. Or maybe today you're like Jairus, who's kind of been looking for Jesus and then has been interrupted and is waiting patiently. And in some strange way, you have realized that the healing of this woman that's interrupting is somehow connected to the healing of your daughter. And in some mysterious way, maybe today you're committed to that kind of work, that the healing of the other is intrinsically linked to your own healing. That the healing of someone else is intrinsically linked to your own healing. That the flourishing of someone else is somehow intrinsically linked to your own flourishing. Perhaps you're like Jairus, and that's the kind of work you wanna give your life to. That's the one of work you wanna give your life to and pour out your life for. The kind of work that would say the flourishing of the other is important for my own flourishing. Therefore, I will give myself to that work. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you can find yourself somewhere else in the story, but those are a few places that perhaps you find yourself. And I want to encourage you to come to the table this morning and just reach out and have a, a fresh touch of Jesus again. He's here in this meal. He's here in this bread and this wine. Come to minister to us news break. There's nothing that I can do. Nothing that Gillian or Steph or Dan or Ian or any of our leaders or anyone here, there's nothing that the kind of the, the chords that John plays can do. There's only the grace of God that can touch us. There's only the grace of God that can call us a son or a daughter. And it's at this table that Jesus left for us. So would you pray with me as we come to the table and as John and Rosie lead us? Lord, there's so much that we just don't understand or can get our head around. Why things happen and why things don't. Why healings happen and why healings don't. But one thing is sure, Lord, that we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the maker of futures. And we speak life over everyone in this room today. And we speak future over everyone in this room today. We speak against the the voice, the story, the narrative that would say, the narrative of fear or death or stigma or ostracization that would say that there is no future. And we speak against that in Jesus' name. We thank you that you have called us sons and daughters and that you've welcomed us into your family and that you have raised us to life, that you've filled us with your very breath. Lord, would you come as we sing and as we worship as we praise you as we taste of the bread and wine would you give us a, a fresh a fresh outpouring of grace a fresh touch that we might know that you're with us and that we might continue to trust you and walk with you in jesus name Please do come as John and Rosie lead us. This is an open table. So if you want to be at this table, if you want to experience a touch of Jesus, you can, because this is Jesus' table. He makes the guest list, not us. And so you're all welcome to come. Please do make your way up and take of the bread and wine. And let's worship and sing together. John. Would you mind taking a moment just to maybe close your eyes if you feel comfortable with that? Um, Because the week's going to begin. Isn't it? When we kind of move out of here, it just kind of starts and we're into our week again. But we can take a moment just before that happens. And can we, can, can we just confess what a savior? What a savior. There's people on the left. That draw lines in places. There's people on the right that draw lines in places, and there's people that are kind of clean from this side. There's people that are kind of clean from this side and unclean from this side, and unclean from this side. Jesus just kind of like walks right through it all. He kind of doesn't pay respects to kind of who says who's in and who he says he's out. He is motivated by love. And he names us sons and daughters of the Most High. Jesus, what a saviour, what a brother, what a friend. Lord, we just thank you for your compassion and for your love. And that this kingdom of God that you have inaugurated, that you came to proclaim and to bring as a wandering rabbi from Nazareth, Lord, that this kingdom has a different story, a different narrative. Lord, that you're motivated not by any other agenda, but by love, and that you say over each of us in this room that you are loved, that you are in the family, that you're a son, that you're a daughter, and that you have a future, and that future is full of life and Unbelievable possibilities. So Lord, in this season, would you give us as a community faith? Faith for the healing and the miracle. Yes, of course we pray, Lord. Faith in a God who has our wholeness and our flourishing on his heart. That we may put our trust in the god of surprises the god of possibilities the god of a future and even though we don't know what that future is lord we walk with you knowing that we're a son that we're a daughter we just pray a blessing over everyone in this room every adult every child life and a future and a hope that you would go with us into the week to come and continue to speak to us and it's in your good and your strong and your able name we pray and everyone say it Amen Amen that's us you'd be glad that you can now exit the building and breathe fresh air Um, have a great week and we will be back of course next Sunday to worship together as a church family God bless you and enjoy your week until then goodbye